Welcome back once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast and we're back again with another creator interview or in this time creators interview. So today we're welcoming a couple of guys back onto the podcast uh, who we chatted with before. It was our absolute pleasure before to chat separately with Declan Shelby about his career and the release of the creator-owned Bog Bodies and also with Rory McConville and his original graphic novel Noir Write It in Blood. Well, now the two of them have teamed up on the upcoming Time Before Time, due from Image Comics, with issue one hitting the new release racks on May the 12th. So it is our absolute pleasure to welcome them both onto the podcast today. How are you, gentlemen? I'll start with yourself, Declan. How are you, Kevin, sir? Hi, Grimes. Tired. A little gassy. But otherwise, fine. <laughs> Important details, of course. And how about yourself, Rory? Yeah, well, I'm... Bit unsettled now after Dex last comment, but uh, <laughs> grand, grand for the most part though. It's just started like apocalyptically raining outside the window. Yeah, bit, bit. A sign of things to come. <laughs> <laughs> An ominous, uh... Well, we're not going to keep you that long, guys. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not too. Bad. I'm sure that the weather's schizophrenic here. Like it was miserable earlier, and it was glorious, and now it's beautiful. It's going to be miserable again in two minutes. It's, uh, can't make his mind up. It's been uh, it's been hailstorming here all day on and off and then lovely in between. But you're uh, you're in Dublin, Declan, and you're in London, Rory. Yeah, that's right. Great. And how have you guys been since we last spoke? Uh, continued lockdown restrictions. How have you been coping, Declan? Uh, coping. I don't know if coping is the word. <laughs> uh, I know it's it, it's fine. Like uh, it, it 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 put me through a bit of a wobble at the beginning because um, some stuff I was working on kind of just went. Um, balls up basically, but um, but then the things kind of settled down, and uh, I just, I mean, I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything, so I just reverted to exactly what I was doing beforehand. Um, I promised myself I'd have more of a life, and then fate intervened. So, um, so no, I've been fine. If I didn't have anything to do, I would go mental. So I just kind of, I just kind of buried myself in work. And uh, and Rory, what about yourself? How are things over in London with us? Continuing restrictions and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, like, start of the year was poxy enough, I think, the kind of January, February darkness. But, like, I mean, it's starting to unlock here now a bit, so it's just a lot of uh, going for long walks and outdoor pubs. So it's, it's getting better. <laughs> you are getting such a look of death from Declan right now because yeah. you can go to the pub. It's Well, it's, it's the standard look I get off of, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you found that your working habits have changed with uh, the lockdown and so forth? I mean, with yourself, Rory, obviously, you you poured a lot into Write It in Blood, and now you have this upcoming project as well about to launch. I mean, have your working habits changed because of the pandemic at all, or is it just pretty much more of the same? For me, it's probably more of the same, to be honest. I don't know if that speak to me being some kind of anti-social hermit-like, but uh, on the whole, yeah, no, not, nothing's changed that much from the, the work point of view. And obviously with yourself, Declan, as well. You're you're unfortunately, you know, I, I, I want to put this, you know, gently, but you're the most backward of the three of us because you you can't get access to vaccinations and so forth. So you're stuck in the house more than most. Not sure if I uh, really appreciate the backwards uh, from you. I don't think that's more the vaccine. <laughs> you nor the... No, yeah, no. It, it, yeah, I mean, I just kind of... <laughs> You know, I, I think I have the Republic. We're side-eyeing both um, the UK and the US right now and everyone's talking about their vaccinations. Um, my mother just got hers today, actually, her first oh, one. So that's something. But, like, I, I, I'm basically writing off the year 
for for myself in my head. But um, but no, it was it was tough. Like uh, like when you work, I mean, I'm used to working from home for years, so I feel bad for people who had like office jobs who had to adjust. That's a you don't just start working from home like it's normal. It's it's a whole other mindset, you know. Um, so if anything, like a lot of the editors of Marvel or whatever, I I, I would be used to working with. Um, I feel bad for them because everything has changed for them. They're not in offices talking to other creators, talking to other editors and such, and everything is through email. So, like, communication is a little bit more difficult, and everybody's doing the Zoom thing, which is, like, that was a big... I kind of avoid Zooms if I can. Not professionally for something something like this, but um, with friends and stuff, just because I don't enjoy it. Like, I said, the longest ones I've had is Rory when we were talking about about um, about Time Before Time, but... um. And just sticking to a schedule, like it's 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 hard. I'd say, like Rory was saying, January and February, I think was a little harder for me, just because, you know, it gets so dark for so long, and it just feels like it's it was definitely kind of feeling a little relentless. But now there's been much nicer weather and taking longer walks, so it's it's actually, despite the fact that we're not improving too much here, I think <laughs> the consensus I think is that there's something to look forward to at least. I think without meaning to there, Alan Declan may have called us professional i'm not quite sure (laughs) (laughs) we'll take it we'll take it and declan whenever we last spoke you were looking forward to the release of Stephen mooney's half past danger christmas special a bit of an exaggeration (laughs) (laughs) i was was looking forward to anything at the time (laughs) (laughs) well well it was it was it was good fun it was a great book Uh, really enjoyed your story you guys must have had some fun promoting that and putting it together yeah, it was fun. Like Mooney is not able to self-promote at all, um, to 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 a huge like problem. Like it's a, it's he. I don't think she might be saying this. But my my his wife once told me like she saw him get a, a review on his portfolio by like a big artist. He gave him lots of compliments, and then Mooney argued with him as to why he was wrong. <laughs> she said, like, "If you ever see him doing that, like tell me, and I'll kill him." Um, so I think he's doing a much better job of actually. He did own it a lot more, which is 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 the thing. I think he was more comfortable throwing me under the bus as a method in which to promote it. Um, so he gets to like feign a level of dignity, like he doesn't really need to sell himself, but will throw me under the bus at any moment's notice uh, in order to do it. So he has to get, he gets to have his cake and eat it that way. But, uh, <laughs> but no, that that book came, came out really well. It was actually really nice. So I was talking to him about it, saying like, um, it's nice to kind of have like an. Uh, an Irish anthology of that standard, you know, with like professional artists, um, you know, no writers, Rory, none of that. Hmm. But, uh, but, you know, a lot of us like who'd known each other for years and we're all starting out around the same time, roughly, um, to kind of like do a book together when we're all at a different level in our careers. So it was actually kind of nice. Um, it wasn't why he did it by any means, but, um, but it was a nice kind of a side effect. Came together, came together well. I'm a huge fan of that. That series, the Half Fast Danger it was, series, it was, it was, it was to actually play in his world a little bit. You know, his uh, it's rife with like terrible memory, um, tell, telling tough stories where they didn't actually happen. It's kind of his thing. But uh, uh, no, just getting to play in the kind of world that he's built was was fun. It's like it's like doing something in Marvel or DC. You're getting to play with somebody else's toys and you put them back in the box. But um, it was it was fun to to play with his toys if that doesn't <laughs> <laughs> sorry got you we got you yeah it was uh quite the travail getting my copies because i'd ordered enough so that i could sell it in the store and obviously everything was so uncertain in december and by the time mine was coming our store was closed i didn't get mine until i think the end of january so you know 
some of the Christmas spirit was lost, but you know, obviously this being an audio but, medium. I, I, I do know he was adamant that he got it uh, so that people would have it for Christmas. That was the whole point. But I think, yeah, I think when Brexit happened and yeah. shipping stuff just went all over the place. So it was one fair, thing. As much other. as I'd like to blame him, that actually no, blame him, blame him away. But it's okay. <laughs> it was worth waiting on, despite this being an audio medium. I have this, you know, Stephen Mooney original right here. You know, I'm so yeah, so. Yeah, I got that. Uh, I got that original along with my. Uh... As regards helping helping him to promote it, like I did, bully him into doing that photo cover, which I I, I actually have that photo. I need to get it framed. I don't know when to get it framed, in one of those like bedside frames. <laughs> uh, you know, just have it, have it next to my bed. So uh, on to uh, your guys' creative relationship. I mean, how did you guys initially meet and start working together, and uh, then how did the ta- the idea for Time Before Time? come about you know was this the first project that you guys planned together obviously then obviously other than Declan doing the cover for Right and Blood of course so you know how did you guys uh, come together then Roy? Well we were talking about this recently and we actually don't recall when we first met but we think it was probably at some con many 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 years ago. Oh well it would have had to have been it couldn't have been like my mother's house you know. <laughs> yeah no yeah. <laughs> yeah but it would have been before maybe you moved to, I don't know when you moved to London but you 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 popped to did you go to any small you uh, Ireland shows? Was it like Jim Lee was there he was the guest of... oh yeah that was um the first big Dublin con that was in um Bray Towers no not Bray Towers um the tw- I, I I remember it anyway that was the first big Irish show yeah um it was the first big show John Hendrick put on. Like it had, yeah, it had Jim Lee, it had Mark Miller, Steve McNiven. It was, yeah, it had everybody. Uh, there's actually a photo of a lot of us, me, Mooney, and Will, and all them, and we just looked like children because it was like <laughs> it had to be like 15 years ago now or something. It's mad. But you, you were, you would have been fairly young though, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think I was maybe 15, 16, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I, I became aware of Rory because um, uh, he had been doing a comic. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Zuda comics. Have you ever heard of those? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Rory had one of those. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, I remember thinking, like, fair play to him. And then I found out he was 16 or something. I was like, that little shit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but then, yeah, then we ended up meeting at some stage. And, and I think, just think, you know, I think you, you'd email me the odd thing now and then. Mm. And I just, like, politely write back, like, oh, good, keep it up, kid. And, <laughs> and, you know, but, um, but no, I remember. I remember. I think you got a Phil Barrett drew a story for you, and um, it's just you were just clearly making stuff, which I thought was great. And I remember I suggested uh, an artist for a graphic novel you were doing, um, uh, Paddy Lynch. Was it? Yeah, you because you had the you had the graphic novel figured out, right? That you were writing it anyway. Yeah, no, it was the the O'Brien Press had gotten on to me asking if I'd be interested in writing a graphic novel about uh, Jim Larkin and Irish trade unionism, which, of course, obviously, who wouldn't? Bound to be a smash. (laughs) Um, So I had, yeah, so we didn't have an artist attached, and I got on to you for recommendations for people at that point, and then Paddy ended up drawing it. Yeah, so we so we, we kind of had it back and forth. I mean, not often, just like I don't know, once a year or something, mm-hmm. like we would say something. But uh, but, but I, I saw I, I saw that he was working in 2008 and was doing really well. And um, you know, because we chat the other time, I was saying, oh, you should do an American book. And he was like, yeah, sure. That that does, that sounds no problem. I'll just do that then. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I was getting more frustrated seeing that like there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities for writers 
to make it. You know, I know I'm the art cred guy and everything, but um, you know, a fair point that you know young writers would say is that it is really hard to kind of like get your name out there and get on projects and stuff. And um, because people are always looking for a proven thing already, it's hard to find a thing to prove yourself on. So I was, I'd be giving Rory a bit of advice here and there that seemed to be going nowhere. Uh, <laughs> so I was feeling bad, but um, yeah, I remember we were top bubble and um. You know, it wasn't a story as such, but I just remember thinking, like, if me, if me and him did something together, it could be something I could work on that wouldn't take up all of my my brain space, which happens a lot with writing. And it would be something that, like, he could work on that would get a larger audience. Like, I hope you don't want me saying that, Rory. That was what you said at the time, and it was true. Like, it's, uh... but, but then, I mean, but like, I mean, that was just a conversation. Like, uh, we just kind of. Kind of kept talking back and forth. I think sci-fi was what I was thinking because I'd done the Irish crime thing, and um, I, I, you know, I don't want to be a one-trick pony or anything. I want to do something a bit different. And Rory had such experience doing sci-fi stuff. I thought like, oh, we should do a sci-fi thing. And Rory was coming up with all these really cool, um, kind of big ideas. But then we we realized over time like we actually don't have any sci-fi in common. Any sci-fi I've seen, he hasn't. Um, and we ended up being like things like Better Call Saul and Fargo. We were talking about more and. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think it was you, Rory, who said, like, maybe if we just kind of pare it back down into less of a high-concept sci-fi and, you know, dig into our crime leanings a bit more. Yeah, no, I, I, I very vividly remember we had, like, this kind of more, uh, like, high, hardcore sci-fi idea that we were kind of tossing back and forth and just, I kind of could sense you weren't really into um uh, no, no, I, 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 I liked it. I, I, no, well, no, I, I, maybe that was the wrong. But I, like, I felt you kind of didn't. You, there wasn't. It wasn't know, resonating as much, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And then I just very suddenly had this idea of like, what if we just strip it back and basically make it a crime book with a time travel element, and so kind of try and tie it into the and just make it about the smuggling. And try and kind of tie it into our interests in crime rather than our interests in sci-fi more so. Yeah, and, and what, yeah, once you suggested that, it all just it did really seem to kind of just come together. And uh, speaking of crime, Declan, uh, last time we spoke, it was shortly after the release of uh, the Bog Bodies, the original graphic novel, uh, set in the, the Dublin Mountains. Um, fantastic piece of work. How have you been? How have you been feeling about things, uh, how, how they've gone there? I mean, it was an absolutely phenomenal reception. Great to see. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's always hard to know from the perspective of the person who made it, you know, how it's being responded. But no, I mean, I got some, I know, I always get some great quotes, but you never know when someone's just being nice to you. But um, the reaction to the book itself actually was great. Like anyone who read it seemed to really, really like it. Um, I mean, it was it was always going to be a tough sell. Um, as Rory knows, like a, a stripped down crime story isn't the biggest profile books that, that, that come out, but like, mm. um, it's the book I wanted to make and Gavin and Rebecca did beautiful work on it. It was just really, it was especially with like COVID happening and everything. It was really nice to put out just something that was just creatively satisfying, you know? Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, if it sold more, it'd be great. Cause it's always nice but I can walk away knowing that like, this is exactly the thing I wanted to make. And if, if anything, it's better than what I was thinking. Um, and uh, it was nice to have something around that time when everything was, because I was doing a Punisher book, which 
if you're familiar with, has not been printed, um, to actually have something come out, because also hadn't really had anything come out in a long time. Um, it was it kind of gave it, it helped my soul a little to to release something into the world. And then more recently, you wrote Endurous Stories set in the world of Alien's Immortal Hulk with uh, the Flatline one shot. I mean, tell us a little bit about that as well. What attracted you to the Immortal Hulk and why did you decide that the Hulk was the character to tell that particular story with? Um, well, I was paid money to do it. That was always, <laughs> That's that always the easy course. answer. Good, um, good. <laughs> No, um, yeah, that worked out really. It just kind of happened to work out great because, like I said, some projects had kind of um, taken a weird turn. So I checked in with um, Will Moss at Marvel, who's an editor I've I've worked with a few times. I I I love the stuff he does. He does like um, he's the guy who got Vision made. He's the guy who got Squirrel Girl made. You know, uh, just one of those, you know, editors any creator would really knows they could do their best work with i just checked in with them because i actually did have a freeze you know my schedule was more open than it was supposed to be and at the time he had that hulk one shot they had done uh jeff lemire and mike demundo had done a had a released a uh immortal hulk one shot in that world and they were yeah they were planning a couple more so um yeah he had the slot and i just happened to email so it's me it's, it's mad some of the, some of these times is it's just like talking to the right person at the right time but um but yeah, so he offered me that, and I had actually just read the book. I'd been sleeping on it for a long time, but um, I bought the first two trades, and I loved it. It's a great mm. series. Um, so yeah, I, and and then I kind of I kind of made more work for myself by asking for color as well. So I I got to write and draw and color a whole thirty-page one-shot, like tell a proper story, you know, within this kind of really cool world that Alan um, Joe Bennett had uh, had made, and yeah, that that was actually really. That was really creatively fulfilling, fulfilling, but more so because of the money too. Yeah, very nice. It was great. It was a great piece as well. It was. It, it was. It felt great, especially after COVID happened. Everything really kind of just put everything in. Because uh, I mean, me and Rory were talking a lot because we were working on time before time. So he knows that, like, you know, I was really trying to make it something really, really, really good. And 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 speaking of it, uh, any news on Punisher Barracuda? <laughs> nope. Nada. I mean, four of the issues are drawn, um, but like to be fair to Marvel, like everything went crazy at the time. So um, I mean, it's down to them, really. I mean, but but even at that, like, just because they'll might do it again doesn't mean I'll be able to draw the last issue. So I mean, my I I don't know, but I'm not expecting any anything to any news on that front. Um, and I I know I can't I couldn't sit around just waiting for this issue to happen. So. Um, I mean, it was written. To be fair to Ed, he he had it written. It was just, it was, I was just about to start drawing the last issue when COVID hit. But yeah, maybe someday I'll get to finish it. And then for yourself, Roy. I mean, how have you been in the aftermath of releasing Ride It in Blood? You know, how's how's the reception been for you for that title? I mean, we we always have in our store. We have what are called store stalwarts. They they're titles that we get in, and as soon as they do, they they go down well with our customers. We make sure they're always on the shelves. So it's become one of those. As soon as it sells out, more of them are ordered in. So how's how's the aftermath of the reception been for you for that title? It's been good. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, because, I mean, also, you kind of, as Deck was saying, you kind of don't know when you're in the position of the creator, like, the whole reception it's getting. But on from what I've seen, it seems to be quite positive. It's been quite a blur of a process, I think, just having that come out kind of also being part of the lead up to time before time and the two projects have kind of melted together 
in a in a way kind of so i don't know like unfortunately i still haven't been into a shop and actually seen it in a shop uh, which is one thing i'm looking forward to doing at some stage but on the whole i mean it's been i think it's been quite well received um, but also great to hear that it's a shop stalwart yeah, I mean, we, we, we focus a lot on indie comics, especially, even though I still find it ridiculous to call Image an indie company these days, but... Like, like, I mean, I know what you mean, like, but, but it is an indie uh, company in the way that like the smallest idea gets to be made. Now, yeah. whether it does well, it's a whole other thing. And the tough thing with something like Writer and Blood is it's creators who have a bit of profile in the UK. Um, it mm. doesn't have Deadpool on it, you know? Like, it's hard to sell an idea that doesn't have something recognizable, be it a creator or, you know, the character that is in a Disney film or something. Um, so it's tough. It's, 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 it's really tough. And, and um, you know, the hope is if people like our, who pick up um, uh, Time Before Time, if they're into it, then there's a whole graphic novel that they can read by essentially the same creative team, you know. Um, so I, we kind of planned it a little in that, hopefully one book might help the other, you know, or if you, you know, or if you've read Right and Blood, but here's a whole new series by pretty much the same team. Um, hopefully it's the best um, environment in which for the book, both books to, to, to succeed. Um, but I can see how it would be very blurry for, 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 for Ori. I, I was, I was talking to, to a lady I know um, who's having like a second baby and she was joking about pregnancy brain. Um, you know how, I, I think it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole thing where a chemical is happening in your brain which don't let you remember how difficult it was. And I think I think there's a weird thing with some comics too where I remember being so <laughs> exhausted after Bog Bodies. I was like, why am I putting myself through this? And now I feel fine about it. Like It's like, oh yeah, that was great. But if I, re- if I really think back, like, I mean, think about Rory when you were emailing retailers. I don't want to think about that ever again. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> but I get like... I, I felt bad because I was because t- you know I, I was trying my best to kind of um, you know uh, guide Rory through the process because you know he wouldn't have he hasn't worked in the U.S. market where like you want to reach out to retailers and you need to have X and Y done and stuff so I was trying to let him know all this stuff and I I'm sure he just felt like I was just torturing him as a, with a no- yet another thing to do but um it, it, yeah it's tough uh, you just you've got to just try every single avenue when you have a creator own book. Um, because you never know where the audience is going to find it or, or is even aware of it or if they're aware of it, if they'll even bother picking it up. Yeah, it's tough. It's a lot of, it's a lot of barriers to hop. Uh, it is, but, but, yeah. but having shops like yourselves who like get behind it is really, is really the only way. Word of mouth and shop and shops getting behind it is the only way something like that can, can do well. And uh, I mean, obviously image are, are, are happy enough with the, with the work and the collaboration because they've, 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 with, with Joe Palmer on this book, the band is back together again, as you say. So, uh, I mean, that's that's fantastic news. He's back on board for. Well, they haven't said they're unhappy, so we'll just assume. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll focus quite a lot on time before time now. I mean, the the first question I wanted to ask was: there ever a temptation to release it as an original graphic novel, you know, a la Bog Bodies or Right and Blood, or was it always conceived as a single issue release, you know, the more traditional comic format? I don't think so i think because we've always envisioned this as like a long-running ongoing series if we can manage it and obviously that's well unless we're ed brubaker and sean phillips that's a an ongoing series of graphic novels is a harder one to swing but yeah i think unless correct me if i'm wrong deck i think we've always thought of this as a single issue 
Content. Yeah, I think I think so. I think because of the high, I think we wanted to make a monthly comic book. Yeah, because also like you know, bog bodies are rioted in blood. If they were if they were if they were like issues, they'd be cancelled by issue five anyway. So, you know, I I know with bog bodies anyway. I I think Rory was 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 considering issues originally um, for rioted in blood, but for bog bodies, I just for me, I'm like just done in one story. I just, I really like those. Man, the sun is going mental. Um, Sorry, I'm looking at my window. It's going quite mental at some points, like it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but I know what I wanted what I as a creator wanted to do was try to like an ongoing story. I wanted to be, I wanted to make a story engine where I, as somebody who writes and draws and does covers and everything, can hop on and like write a little bit and then hop off and the train will keep moving. So that was always the goal with that. And Graphic novels, effectively, you have one income stream, which is the printed book, uh, and that's it. It's 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 a uh, you just need a lot of like creators like Ed and uh, Sean, they can afford to work for on a book for a year with no money coming in because all of their other books are a huge success. And it's not a slight against them; like it's it's amazing to see, but they have the sales to warrant that. You know, Bog Bodies, Right and Blood are more under the the under the counter um success let's say so just wouldn't really be able to, to to manage it um but also creatively i wanted to do something a little more long form um i wanted to do something that wasn't just a graphic novel and the concept of time before time really i mean you could do it as a graphic novel but i don't think it would be as like the way we've ended issue one you want to read issue two that wouldn't have happened in a graphic novel. It would have just been a cool moment, and then you move straight on. Uh, and, I, and I know I wanted to kind of work in that that form of storytelling, um, as opposed to doing graphic novels. We've been teasing a wee bit. You've chatted about the high concept. You've you've chatted about you know the book. But uh, what is it about? Like elevator pitch, time before time for the for the listeners. Well, I mean, the one we've been using is it's that it's uh, Looper meets Saga. Um, I mean, no so- pre- no pressure, you know saying those two yeah, those two titles that, like. that's, that's, we were saying yeah what what a revolutionary idea to take two incredibly successful things and say this is the merger of them i saw an advanced review where somebody was saying this is nothing like saga uh you know it's not a it's not a fantasy space opera i was like hey, well, there's a lot of ways it could be like saga it's a comic book just because it's a comic book we can say it's like saga <laughs> But there, there, there is a central idea of a, a character on the run, which is kind of where, you know, th- that comparison is. And Loop, Looper is a, I think we say just in that, um, when we were kind of working on it, like the the idea of doing one a time travel story, but two some, you know, de- I definitely like the aesthetic of Looper and that that it was very stripped down, um, you know, dark, uh, tactile kind of world, um, you know, rather than something that would say like very, we say high concept, but like it's not. Um, you know, it's not, you know, there's elements of Blade Runner-y type stuff in there, but we're not going crazy with, like, you know, black holes and paradoxes and, and stuff like that. We tried to um, use the, use time as a mechanic, basically, you know, mechanical tool for story rather than, um, you know, huge spectacle and stuff like that. Um, and I think, I think I think the mix of those two is a nice way of summing it up. But, but it was, um, somebody said... Um, the Wire meets um, Quantum Leap, which I really like. <laughs> oh, you've got me. You've yeah, got I... me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, we've got one reader. 
Quantum Leap was one of those shows I've never seen now, so that's just another. The, you're missing another, out. Another yeah. void between me and Zach. Like, yeah. Uh, like my heart I mean, breaks every time he says that. But um, you know, <laughs> hoping each time that the next leap will be the leap home. Oh. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> all all so, going over my head. So the, the dead the, inside, guys. The the general the general gist uh, originally set in the future and 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 people who need to get away are squirreled away to different periods is that is that where we're at yeah it's kind of it's a broad smuggling ring in that sometimes they'll be you know they'll be bringing a product from the future back to someone in the past but kind of the main business of the criminal gang the syndicate is that they smuggle people back in time from 2140 where the story is opens back to, quote, better times in the past. Um, so it's that kind of immigration, emigration drama. Element. Of course, like, because it's a time, because it's, it's it's a crime gang, there are other kind of mechanics involved, which kind of, you know, filter through the, the, the story. But, uh, and also, you know, just because these people escape this terrible world that they're in doesn't necessarily mean where they're going is any better. So there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's kind of a lot of human drama to play with because of that. Um, Interesting, an analog for Brexit there, if there ever was one. <laughs> but, but there's a slight element of like, you know, everyone just complains about how terrible the world is. It's better than it was in the seven, like you know, child mortality rates and X, Y, and Z. Like, like things are actually like the fact that we can have this conversation is is amazing. I think we kind of upset. There's this, a level of which we're obsessing about the misery of now, and there's also this kind of like romanticization about the past, and uh, you know. So we're kind of like part of it is that, you know, let's take it to an extreme where the world is like so, so terrible. The only way out of it is to go backwards. And like, you know, that's what that's how the machine that's why the, that's why it's so, it costs so much to do. So the technology is so rare and why the stakes are so high for people. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Looper as such a uh, such an influence because Looper has this great scene, obviously, in the middle of the movie in the diner. You know, the older version meets the younger version. They try to understand, you know how time travel works and he's like stop talking that time travel crap i mean how, how do you guys you're obviously opening a can of sort of timey-wimey worms if you will when you start writing time travel you know how are you guys handling the paradox minefield do you have that ex- exposition scene in it or are you are, are you relying on like say people's influences from say back to the future or looper that kind of thing have you set your own rules uh, first of all, Rory, uh, write down timey wimey worms for one of throw. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's kind of a Doctor Who thing, anyway. So, oh, it's... yeah. <laughs> See, that's, that's the sci-fi you don't want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, I mean, I, I, would, was, I would. You write it down. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the artist on I this one, Dick. You can I'm write the, stuff down I as draw. well. I draw. I'm a creator of worlds, Rory. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I would say like we kind of wanted to avoid a lot of that. I think that's one that's one thing I liked about Looper is that like, and I mean, I'm a massive Star Trek fan. You know, stuff where it goes into like paradoxes and all this stuff. I, I love all that, but it has been done. You know, it's been done a lot, and I think sometimes, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, I, I, I you sometimes you can see like somebody watching a TV show that's happening where they're trying to figure out what the, you know, the, the trick is or something. And like, I think that kind of pulls you out of what the story is actually supposed to be. Um, and, you know, I love techno babble, but like, there's really no, it's like we said, like, it's not about time travel. So we didn't really want to kind of 
get into it. I felt like um, as long as we established our own rules and Rory and I knew what those rules were, then we can write within it. And, you know, we don't need, I mean, you don't need to explain, as long as we know what it is, you don't need to like explain it to the reader every time. Um, and if they're asking questions, that's good. If they're confused, that's bad. That's, you know, you don't want that. But if they're asking questions because they're, they're interested, then that's good. And um, I think we try and like reveal more as we go. Because I think we did. It's been a while since I read it. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I mean, but like that was, I mean, Rory, you remember you were very adamant about like setting that stuff down, nailing all that down. Yeah, well, I, I think it was because, I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler or anything, but like within the story world, like time is fixed. So we're basically saying no paradoxes. <laughs> you can't screw and it up. <laughs> because, because yeah, if you leave it open to that time can be rewritten element, that is, well, it's very not really conducive to long form storytelling for one and kind of invariably robs a certain amount of stakes or drama from your story. Yeah, like you don't want someone to just be able to go back to the beginning and like change time. Like like sometimes those stories do feel like they don't have any consequences because you can just change it. So in this, like Roy said, it's fixed, so you can't change anything. So there's a similar scene, like we were mentioning to Looper, where character, I think it's like an issue two, just is like, oh no, you can't do that. And that's it. That's so so yeah. you're that's gonna, you know, stop you from kind of like thinking that there's gonna be something else coming along. You're like, no, 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 like things actually matter, you know, in this. And if somebody dies, like, they're, they're dead, you can't save them. So it's not going to be this big story about how you can save the world or anything like that, you know? Awesome. And then you have, you have, you have mentioned as we've talked, your, your varying influences or your various uh, varying exposure to, 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 to different kinds of science fiction, Doctor Who, Quantum Leap. Are there... Are there any favorite time travel stories or, or movies or, 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 or anything like that that, uh, that you've drawn on, you know, with regard to, to influences? Rory, what about yourself? You mentioned Doctor Who there. Yeah, I think, I mean, like the Stephen Moffat stuff is definitely a big influence. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, like, there's a lot I love about them, but then there's equally sometimes where they're kind of a bit too clever for their own good and they kind of wrap themselves up in... So there's kind of like things I love and also lessons I think you take from them as well. Um, but his stuff definitely is some of my favourite time travel. And I mean, stories. it's it's interesting what you're saying because certainly, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a, a classic Doctor Who fan than, All right. than the newer stuff. And, and just, just like you're saying, you know, in those episodes, no one's worried about what they're doing anywhere in time because, yeah. you know, you're not going to screw anything up, you know. So that's 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 really interesting. Uh, and, and what about yourself, Declan? Quantum Leap, obviously, is a classic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is one thing I like about Time Before Time is that um, we're not doing the thing that all time travel stories do, which is go back to the... Uh, Actually, that's not true. To go back to the 60s for one scene. But like, you know, Quantum Leap was set within his lifetime. So it was always like uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, which I think is great. Um, but this is a comic, so we don't necessarily need to worry about um, budget, aside from Joe's wrist. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I like that they travel into the past and it's still our future. That's something I, I, I quite enjoy. But um, and I, I haven't really watched Doctor Who because it's just a little too British for me. Sorry. But um, uh, I'm just kidding. But um, I yeah, so I'm ignorant. I'm ignorant of a lot of that stuff. Um, but like I said, I'm a massive Star Trek fan. So like, I mean, it's swimming in time travel stories. 
But to be honest, I've tried to... Well, one, Rory won't get any of those references, so there's not much point. But two, it's just it's just too into the concept, you know? Mm. It's it's the thing about this is kind of it's kind of like an anti Star Trek story in the way in, in as regards time travel because it's not getting into the mechanics of it, which is the fun of something like say Star Trek. So, so if anything, I'm kind of avoiding time travel stuff. Um, can we can we brand it as that anti Star Trek? <laughs> no, you cannot put that under my name. <laughs> Never. We've got you on record <laughs> saying that. Yeah, it's one thing I quite liked about um, <clears throat> the last Avengers film, and it's, it's it's kind of we're kind of in an interesting place in pop culture where things that were considered like niche nerdy thing references are now total pop culture references like that everybody knows like when they when they're talking about like uh, they're traveling back in time it's like oh it's not back to the future rules like that's that's a conversation you'd have when you were in school with your friends but now it's like in one of the biggest movies ever ever made you know so um you want to kind of avoid that type of stuff like it's it's fun in say a movie like avengers but for something like time before time is like less is more you know the world feels more i think tactile and and um that there's you know consequences and and you know dangers by just stripping a lot of that kind of um the more fanciful stuff away and just digging it's like anything to do time travel will have a significant emotive cost which is the best way to use it in something like this i think and have you found the you know collaborative process co-writing on the book i I use Undiscovered Country as a bit of an example. Obviously, it's uh, Scott Snyder, Charles So they co-write. They said they set it up that they'll talk overall story, but then Scott will write one issue, then Charles So will write the next, then Scott will write the next. What, what kind of process do you guys use? Do you both work on every single issue, or is it a case of work out an overall storyline and then you take the odd numbers, I'll take the even numbers sort of thing? I had not heard of that approach. That sounds mental. So what we... I suppose what we do is we try to would talk the kind of big picture stuff and then uh would break that down into an outline and then i i yeah i'd write a chunk and then assign deck his pages and then he'd send them back and like sorry all throughout this like uh our ed- editor heather antos is like giving notes and feedback and stuff but then deck gives back his pages and then i kind of stitch the whole thing together basically would that be accurate deck yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I remember we weren't really sure how we were going to do it. Yeah. I was like, sure, let's co-write. How do you do that? Um, but I talked to a couple of friends <clears throat> who are co-writing two different things. And one of them was um, said that they basically 50-50 co-write the thing. And I was like, oh, cool, because that's how I'd like to do it. But they were like, actually, no, it's actually ends up being much harder because you're, you know, trying not to trip over the other person. Kind of like what you're saying with Scott and... Uh, uh, Charles, like I imagine, you're gonna gonna write over somebody in a weird way from issue to issue. Like it sounds like it gets pretty complicated. Uh, whereas I talked to a different writer who was doing a big project with a co-writer, and basically he he, he said what they he, they did what basically we ended up doing, which is where we talk everything over. You know, Rory Rory basically does the actual hard work because um, I'm stretched on all these other things. Well, it also kind of ended up just by necessity because we talked, and it was taking me a while to get back to Rory. And in the meantime, he had he had he had like a that wasn't a crazy month for him, so he ended up just doing a lot of the kind of outlining, and then it was done, which was like great. So then we kind of hashed through things more. So Rory, Rory does a lot of the real digging in, I would say, um, 
like fleshing things out and then like which which is great because if it was all relying on me which is not which wouldn't this book would not exist <laughs> if it relied on me more um and so that's been really great like it's, it's like i said what i wanted to do i get to do which is i get to be creative i get to do some writing um and the machine is kind of built in the way that it's that rory and rory is kind of keeping the wheels on the track and with heather and joe you know is is the train i guess not really sure where i'm going with this um, <laughs> But it, but it it's ended up being the, I think the best way for us to work, which is like try not to, I try not to get to slow things down. Um, I get the best out of Rory. I think Rory tries to write to me in places where he knows or I, I I'd have like a, I'd have a good sense of visual storytelling in places. But 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 this way we I get to do what I want and I think Rory gets to do what he wants and um, uh, and it, it, weirdly I'm it's like when I'm working with a writer and working with an artist there's way more collaboration but I've less collaboration with Joe I think because I'm collaborating so much with Rory so by the time the script is done it's just kind of like oh well you know off you go Rory or yeah, Joe, yeah. Joe just you know? take it please get it away from us <laughs> <laughs> well I mean did you did you, were you more involved with Joe when you were doing Riders in Blood like did you have more of a back and forth no um, a, maybe a little bit more but I suppose just on the basis that it was you know a single point of contact whereas with here it's like he you know if he's showing us layouts it's me you and heather mm. so maybe on that but on the whole i think like i generally just let him do what he he wants like because like, well the I, results speak for themselves too yeah like. yeah just get out of the uh the, the train's way i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean you've mentioned obviously working with joe again on art after the the critically acclaimed right in blood do you find it easier and easier to step away from being the artist the more you write, Declan, or do you need to satisfy that artistic itch by doing covers for time before time? Um, I mean, I'm okay. I mean, I stepped away a bit. I was originally going to try and do all the design for the book, but it was a lot of work and it was stressing me out and breaking my brain a little. So I did step back and brought Sasha head on, and like she's done a, like so much more interesting <laughs> than what I was doing, um, so that's great. Um, I do kind of like to own it a little, you know, by doing the covers and stuff. But like, I'm being honest, you know, it was kind of a marketing like point in doing it. As if I was doing the covers, people know my stuff and they're more likely to to pick it up. Joe's, I think Joe is more than capable of doing uh, covers. But uh, yeah, there was a sales reason to do it that way. But I also like, I do like owning something a little that if I've written it, I like to do the cover. Um, but you know, if if the guys had a problem with it, I, I would have I'd, I'd step away. Um, uh, but I also don't want to be the person who's kind of um, dominating it too much because, at the end of the day, I'm not actually doing the hard work. Like the hard work, most of the hard work is done by Rory and uh, Joe. So um, I'm trying not to kind of like overpower it with like my ego monster. Um, but I but but I do like I do like building things and I like kind of making projects and um, and I like to be able to put my stamp on something. I, I wouldn't need to do covers to, to something I, I write, but I do. It weirdly feels kind of nicely um, cathartic to kind of uh, have an idea and draw the image and then the image sell you know is the cover the finished thing. It's there, there's a nice kind of um, process about that that I that I do enjoy. Absolutely. But if there's a problem like. Now, now's your chance, Rory. Speak up now. Yeah, please stop. I want to do the covers. <laughs> We've got your back, Rory. We've got your yeah. back. 
<laughs> Case in point, like, like I offered to do the cover for Rory for uh, Rise of Blood because of what we were saying before, you know, unknown quote unquote creators on a on a new idea is a hard sell. So like, you know, there are some we could have just gotten anybody to do uh, covers, or we could have had Joe do covers. I mean, I would have been perfectly happy for Joe to do covers, but I, I do think it's just it just it was a little bit more marketable for me to do the covers because people recognize my name more. You mentioned uh, whenever we spoke last time, Declan, that you know whenever you got into the industry, there was some folks that that gave you a hand. So I guess you're just you're paying it forward. Yeah, while also taking credit. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> and uh, well, well, there, there, there is an element of that. Like, like, like I'm not trying to make it out like a, you know either Joe or Rory needed a charity, but like Joe was too good to be doing what he was doing. You know, like he was doing some 2008 work, but like the guy is a clear talent and should be working on bigger books. Uh, Rory is also good. <laughs> I'm glad you ran that in. That was, that was getting uncomfortable. Uh, um, no, clearly, like the whole inception of the project was that I, I, I thought Rory was an excellent writer and I wanted to help make something that would show that off. So this way, like I said, I get to have the best of all worlds. I get to make something that isn't purely dependent on me. I get to showcase a great writer and a great artist. Um, and build, you know, I like building this team who are making this really, really cool book. Um, it's it's um, it's it's really rewarding, you know. Like, and then I'm sure Rory will go and do something else really good and completely forget who I am. <laughs> I'm just counting down the days, really. <laughs> And uh, let's not give uh, Chris O'Halloran short shift on, uh, on colours there. Give him some short trips. <laughs> Never seems to stop working, that boy. No, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, no, I and he's been doing like some fucking gorgeous work like that. I'm doing Ice Cream Man, or I, I um, because I'm, I'm colouring my own stuff, I'll send him some stuff too, and uh, he's been good to give me some feedback. Um, like I have to remind him who I am. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, Chris been doing amazing. Work. Especially, I mean, I I loved what he did on Right and Blood with Joe's work because Joe's very his black and white work is very strong. It's very well designed, compositionally bold. Like you don't need to color that, and you can easily ruin it when you color it. And Right and Blood was such a kind of a grounded environment that like a certain subtle approach was needed with that. But he had these really nice flares of like inspired color choices, which you wouldn't be expecting. I remember when Rory was sending me pages, I was like, "Man, Chris is he's really making this a like an even more beautiful book." Um, so then having them both do um, time before time, I think has just given both Joe the the the, the opportunity to just play with a lot more things, like not just people on a road or whatever. Um, like a lot more visually interesting things to push himself. And Chris has kind of matched that with like leveling up and making a lot of bolder choices and things. It's, it's been, it's been just really cool to watch them both level up on this. Well, time before time has been solicited as an ongoing and, you know, certainly from what we've seen from you guys so far, you're, you're both writers who for the most part seem to have preferred shorter format. How have you planned this out in the future? Is it arc to arc? Is it sort of, or do you have like a Robert Kirkman-like endpoint in mind? I mean, you do a lot of the the outlining, uh, Rory. What's what sort of length do you have in mind for for time before time? One hundred and fifty issues. One hundred. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no. What's what? What was the Walking Dead? One hundred ninety-three. One hundred ninety-three. Kirkman. Yeah, Kirkman has that plan of always. Again, it's a marketability thing in his head. I think where forty-eight issues means you can do a cracking compendium. So Invincible was one hundred and forty-four because that was three forty-eight uh, issue <laughs> compendiums. Walking Dead was originally one hundred ninety-two because it was four compendiums, but then they did that that oversized issue. I mean, obviously a lot of it's dependent on success, success and finding a market. But you know, how, how big of a scope do you have for this in mind? Is is there an endpoint? Yeah, we do. It was funny when we were trying to trying to figure out what arc two would be. We kind of solidified what the actual end point is and there's a lot of but there's a lot of room within that Mm -hmm. and the more we were talking about it we think it could actually run i mean sales provided for quite a long time like we built as deck was saying this kind of shape that a lot of different types of stories could be told within so but yeah it's, it's a tricky one kind of you know because in theory we didn't know if we'd get a second arc and so you kind of have to build stories in such a way that they're satisfying as a single volume, but then also, you know, don't blow up your story threads too quickly and whatever. So it's, and I think it's it's a real challenge, I think, with ongoing series to get right. So that's been, I mean, incredibly frustrating at times, but an interesting challenge at others. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it is frustrating, but I mean, it's also the benefit of, of doing something more long form. The, the only thing is like, yeah, like someone like Roberts can basically say, this is going to be 60 issues and he knows it'll sell enough to get to that point mm-hmm. where as, as, as much as I may or may not be known, I'm certainly not Robert Kirkman's, so it's not like I can, I can bring an audience like that. So we're kind of in that kind of delicate middle, not even middle ground, like lower middle ground of like, you know, um, will they sell enough in order for us to keep making it? Um, it's looking good um, so far, mm. thankfully, um, which is why we know we, we have a second arc. So we're kind of, yeah, we're working that out at the moment. Um, and I think we had basically a rough plan for if it did moderately well. And after working on, now that we've kind of established everything in our first arc, which is, you know, going to come out in issues. Um, we just started seeing that there was way more potential for this to kind of open out more. So, you know, we could stick with our original plan, which is still ambitious. Um, mm-hmm. You know, getting despite you know, which would be getting past in the second arc. Um, but I, I don't know about Rory, but I just started getting really excited about if this does find a an audience that can keep it going. There's a lot of creative stuff we can do, which would be fun and interesting and. Um, and it means we can kind of capitalize on longer form story points, you know, rather than just cashing in an issue after coming up with something, you know, like you want things to be, you want things to resonate and you want things to build. And, and it's hard to do that in like, you know, 80, a hundred pages. So yeah, we're, we're in, we're in the kind of middle ground of trying to figure out where we are next. Like, like it's great. Like we wrote one so that maybe it might, if it gets canceled, that's where we'd have to end it. It's great to know now that we we have a second arc and we're doing something a little cool, I think, after the first arc ends, which is a little bit of a a, a, a change of pace. But but again, fun because we can do it, you know, because we know we have more, we can make that those kind of decisions. And um, so yeah, I'd love to be able to do more stuff like that. But yeah, it depends on depends on how the book does. Really, you know, it's ongoing until it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll certainly do our. Whatever, whatever tiny little thing we can do to make sure it gets into as many hands as possible, anyway. 
Yeah, right it's, all, it's, all, it's all on you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we figured, we figured. And, you know, for this title, you've run a Kickstarter for a process edition, which is open for another week, isn't that right? Can you tell us more about that and where it may be found? Um, well, the answer is in the question, Keith. Kickstarter <laughs> is where it can be found. Um, uh, yeah, that was that was my idea, basically. Um, I, you know, the question always comes up, like, what's going to go in the trade? And I like there being extras in the trade, but because issue one is 30 pages, 31 pages, and all our other issues are 22 pages, that's a thick trade, so I don't think we'll have room for extras. Um, but I love that stuff, and I thought, the thing with extras is they're always kind of shoved in at the back as well. You can't really get extensive. So I thought, well, what if we just made a book that really delved into the process? Not just the, the extras, but like how we made the book and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so, we, so we've so we run some interviews with the with the uh, the team and we've got uh, Sasha, who's the designer in the book, is designing this. So it's basically a process book of how the book came together, the co-writing, uh, Rory's work, my cover design, covered um, concepts and... Um, uh, stuff like that and uh, yeah if you go to kickstarter.com slash time before time I think it is um, or just google time before time kickstarter I'm sure it'll pop up but uh, effectively you can you can pledge for there's two different versions of the book a 40 page black and white one or um, a more expensive but more expanded full color gold foil uh, version of the book um, with things and you can get things like head sketches for me um uh, uh, Skype call like this, like think about this. You didn't. I should have made you pledge for the Kickstarter in order to do this. Damn it! <laughs> You'll know next time. Yeah, but um, just things like that. Like honestly, it was kind of a way of having something, having a way to talk about the book between that kind of period between FOC and the book coming out. Because I find what happens is a lot of times um, books just kind of drop off the map and. For something like this again, you you need everyone, everyone as possible to know about the book. So it kind of started out as a way of like being able to promote the book, but also just make a cool object at the end. Because I personally love all that stuff. I love like director's cuts and you know art commentary and things like that. So um, and doing them through a publisher can be really tough because you know they're not really supported in the market. But at least with something like Kickstarter, it's a more dedicated audience. I think that are into that type of stuff. So um. So yeah, so we've another week. Um, we've a couple of goals that we might hit. I'd love to get it to the to the, the first stretch goal because then I'll be able to make I'll make be able I'll be able to afford to make like uh, the book full color, sixty four pages for everybody, bump it all up. Um, but like I don't know if we'll get there, but, but sure we'll I'll keep plugging away at it. But yeah, I have one more week at it. We'll uh, whenever we put this out, we'll get it out as quick as possible and get that link attached to this. Then oh, we, we put it out for sure. Well, and also you just uh, received a, a pledge from Coffee and Heroes, and I look forward to my uh, my head <laughs> sketch by uh, by yourself, Declan. So, twenty days. It took you twenty days, Ellen. That's the kind of support I need. Thanks. I like to do it in person. I like to get the credit from you in person and the actual, <laughs> you know, personal right thanks. You, you know. <laughs> but uh, it looks like I'm going to have a lot of head sketches to do. Well, I think uh, by the look of it on here, you have uh, seven left out of 20. So clearly that is uh, proven to be a, a good goal. I mean, it's good to see. It's obviously already funded as well. And as you say, you're into the stretch, um, the stretch yeah, goals yeah, period. It is, it is funded. So it's definitely it's definitely uh, going to happen. But um, uh, the, the more we make, then the more I can afford to make a nice. So like we have one at the moment where if we get to the, to a, to the first stretch goal, I've uh, commissioned different artists who I like to do time before time pieces. 
and I'm going to like collect them in a little uh, envelope as a kind of a portfolio of um, which is kind of nice. Like it's nice to see other people do interpretations of your of the, of the book. Um, but like, uh, yeah, but if we don't get to that level, then I'm not going to do it because again, it wouldn't make any sense money wise, you know. <laughs> Well, as Kate said, we'll definitely put the links out in with this uh, pod and get this out straight away anyway. But I just wanted to finish chatting about Time Before Time and bring attention to the fact that you have John Paul Leon on as a variant artist for number one. And this will be some of his last published work, you know, by all accounts, a well-loved man within the industry, both from a personal and professional standpoint. And just wondered if you'd like to say a few words on him after his, you know, tragic and, and untimely passing. Ah, uh, yeah, I was tempted to make a joke there, but uh, not even I'll do that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I've am i been a massive fan of J.P. Uh, Leon's work for years and years and years, to the point where, like, I've ev- evangelized his work to people who, like, younger people who mightn't be aware of it. Somebody messaged me on Instagram to tell me that um, they found his work because they were getting something of mine signed at my table at, like, New York or something. And uh, I was just raving about him, so they went and tracked him down and became a fan, which is, that's nice, because I, I, he was a very, you know, by all accounts, he was very modest and kind of um, humble, nothing like me at all. Um, so kind of, he just did amazing work and kept to himself, you know, but, um, uh, but yeah, I've been a fan of his years. I've been lucky enough to kind of talk to him in more recent years. Um, I was too, ner- I, I talked to him when I was younger, when I was starting out, I wouldn't have the nerve to show my portfolio, but he was always really nice. But then he became aware of my work which was huge for me. Um, but, um, but yeah, I had him, I, when we were doing injection, uh, like Warren was like, no variant covers by other artists. And I was like, one, I want one. If I'm going to have, if I'm going to finally do creator on comic, I want my favorite artist to do a variant cover. So he did a cover for us on that. And we were doing time before time. I am Joe is a big fan as well. So, um, that just, it just seemed perfect for us to, I don't think it was a plan. Maybe it was for the first one, but um, but sure, look, I asked anyway. Like he, he, it's not like he was stuck for work, so uh, I figured I'd ask. And he was, yeah, he was really nice about it and did this lovely piece. Um, uh, and yeah, it's just really weird that it's going to be out next week, and he's he's not around anymore. Is uh, very very strange. Very very sad. Very sad. Too soon. But like, I, I will say, like that, I I I would evangelize for him because I always thought that like he wasn't appreciated enough. And it's been actually really nice to see just how, like my 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 Twitter feed is swamped with with love for his work and people posting his artwork and, and in a way that I thought that people weren't even aware. Um, so that's kind of been. A, I mean, it's a shame that it's always somebody dying for people to really kind of show that level of appreciation. But like, it's the guy was a consummate professional, and amazing storyteller. So I think um, I think knowing his work resonated with so many is actually a really nice it's it, it that's it is a little comforting you know i, I feel we're i feel we're talking about it because like, i'm not great friends with him or anything but like i knew him a little and i just his work just loomed so large in in in, in mine so it's 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 very strange to have like somebody who you barely know make that much of an impact mm. in your life it's 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 weird i'm more upset about it than i should be but i don't know it's, it's weird well thanks very much for uh for saying anything at all, Declan, much appreciated. Um, Rory couldn't stand him. <laughs> and you thought you were going to get away without making a joke. I had to say something. Yeah. I don't know, I'm just messing. Uh, Rory, any 
anybody whose uh, work you're particularly enjoying at the moment? What's on your reading pile at the minute? Um, I'm still catching up on Mortal Hulk, but that's obviously a, just an incredible run at the moment. So that's a big one. Um, Coming to an end fairly shortly, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Is it? Issue 50, yeah. yeah. I, think I, think yeah. The, I think the plan was for it to be 50 from the start, so, and, which is kind of amazing that they've gotten 50 issues of a Hulk book. like That, that hasn't been happening for a while. Mm. And that is so consistently good. That's <laughs> yeah, especially the one-shots. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah that Jeff Lemire oh. one was outstanding. The threshing place is fantastic. <laughs> I thought there was only one one-shot, the Jeff Lemire one. <laughs> well, no, there's isn't uh, Alex, Pac Nadell, and... What's oh, it, uh, it's Juan Ferreira, isn't it? Juan Ferreira and Kevin Nolan. Yeah. Like, like I'm going to be all over that. I was yeah, I was annoyed. I saw I saw it announced, and because Alex had been really nice about my one shot, and I was just I was just like Kevin Nolan, you son of a. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else uh, over and above Martin Holt grabbing you at the minute? I hadn't read uh, Deadly Class before, but I've, I've started reading that recently and really enjoying it. Speaking my gospel right there, you know I. Jesus, the last time you were on, you were you were stroking his ego about why the last man, and now you're talking deadly class. This is too much. See, this yeah. is this is a man with taste right here. This is what it's I like to see. It's all pre-planned. Like it's, he just sends, he just tells me what to read, and I read it. Like, <laughs> what made you pick up Deadly Class now, Rory? Because it's been out for a while. Uh, was there something that made you go, oh, I must must pick it up? Um, well, actually, one of the things was looking at because I've been looking at like long-running series. Uh, that are at image and just like looking more from a mechanical point of view and just seeing how they've juggled that. Now obviously Rick Remender is in a vastly different position in terms of being able to do a book for as long as he wants but just seeing how you keep a concept going and all that over however 40 something issues uh, was one thing I was kind of curious to see. Yeah. And what about your uh, what about yourself, Declan? Anything in your reading pile at the minute? Um, the stuff I, I tend to read is stuff that that gets sent to me. Um, uh, just because like at the time, like I I don't get to the comic shop that much. I actually just picked up. It must be like three months worth of comics, so I I have to start reading them. But um, and I order stuff all the time that I don't get the time to read. But I um, uh, John and the Impossible Monsters. Uh, I'm loving that. It's, it's a Chris great, book. Uh, great book. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, uh, Daredevil, uh, Chip no. and Marco's Daredevil is is something else. Um, I read that with much disdain. Um, what else? Uh, is it Conan? No, Conan's over. Um, what's my goddamn pile? Oh, uh, Dead Dog's Bite. Um, Tyler Boss's Tyler Star Boss, Wars book. Really good book as well. Yeah. Uh, what else am I reading? You were saying you were looking forward to the good Asian? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's out this week. Out I think, this actually. week, yeah. Yeah, Image sent me like a PDF to read, but I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to read the actual issue. Um, but yeah, that's tough. Like, I, I also don't really want to read the like books that are coming out around ours because I'm like, God damn it, that's good. You know, I just want to imagine they're all of them are bad, uh, and we're we're going to be in an amazing place. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, it's the first reading thing. I'm not reading. I'm, I'm buying comics, but I'm trying to find a time to read them right now. is is, is really tough. But um, I would say it's primarily image stuff with with some Marvel stuff too. <laughs> yeah, see, what you need to do, Deck, is you need to start a weekly podcast where you review comics because it's the only re- way Keith and I read all of our pull lists every week. Well, actually, I, I do a newsletter where I recommend some stuff, so it's the only way. Um, 
it's the only way I keep track of stuff. Um, so I just actually, I just read um, Black Hand and Ironhead, uh, David Lopez's book. He does it through Panel Syndicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a hardcover of it, but he's got a new a new uh, volume starting. It's actually coming out the same day as Time Before Time, so maybe don't get that. So ignore that. Get, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but um, but no, that yeah, that's that's really good. Um, so I do tend to read stuff that's sent to me um, and give it a little mini review on um, on my on my newsletter because because it one it, it gives me excuse to read something because if I know if I don't I'll just kind of put it off. I can't remember. What I, I do it every two weeks, so by the time I do a new newsletter, I've completely forgotten what was in the last one. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of Deadly Class, you know, if you ever have any of those comp copies lying around of your cover for number one, send it my way because I've been searching for it for about a year and a half at this point. I can't, oh, really? Um, I can't track yeah. it down. It's a, it's a tough uh, one. The colors on it are beautiful. It's such a gorgeous cover. And uh, I've tried to get it. I did color it, but thanks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the art's not bad. So the pencils are good, you know. Uh, no, actually, I really, I'm really happy with that cover. It, there was a lot of variants coming out on that book at the time, so I'm not even sure who who did it. I don't even know if I have any of them myself. Well, if you ever come across one, you know you've got a fan here who'll happily take it off your hands. Uh, <laughs> right price. Oh, the right price. I'm more than happy. I will upgrade that Kickstarter pledge like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> you create you create one little uh, one little subset there of a deadly class variant. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm there. Uh, obviously, you're just the two of you are just starting out. Obviously, with time before time, you've got plans for a for a long run. You know, fingers crossed. It's it's as long as it uh, as you guys want it to be. Are there any other projects you have in mind, or is like all the energy going into this for this collaborative process between the two of you? I don't think we ever want to talk to each other again after this. <laughs> well, actually, I don't. Uh, for, for as regards us, no. Uh, I mean, my my hope is that Rory gets to do his own stuff after this and doesn't need me. Uh, although I will say I've enjoyed this a lot, so if he ever wanted to to do something afterwards, he could ask. Like <laughs> I could ask. <laughs> he could come to me, you know, with like on his knees. Hey, pay homage to the king, like exactly, yeah. exactly. And then I'd consider it. Um, uh, no, Sorry, actually, lads, time before time is cancelled. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to really co-write something again, because um, it is a very specific process. Um, but it's been very good with Rory. Like, I think, um, I think we agree on stuff and disagree on stuff, and it always kind of um, sharpens things to a good place. So I'd be more than willing to do something, you know, down the line. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I just want people to pick this up. And uh, and see what a great writer uh, Rory is, because um, he, he he is. Um, and if he's ever stuck again, he can always give me a shout. Um, yeah. How guilty oh, do you feel like now, Rory? Now that you just said, I never want to see his face again. I just spent the last two minutes, you know, singing your praises. I know, but he he only did that because I said that because he just wants to paint himself. <laughs> he knows me too well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is the problem. Like everyone thinks it's. Oh, Declan Shelby, he's this nice guy. He's so considerate. He's not. He's a monster. That's <laughs> next. Yeah, it's never my. It's never my collaborators who say that. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, nobody. I mean, uh, I. I mean, I don't think you. I don't think we need to do anything again until this book is over because it is. It, it, it is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, there's a certain level of project management that goes into creator own stuff that I think. What's nice is that it's been spread between me and Rory. I mean, I couldn't be. I couldn't do it all on my own. I don't think Rory could manage like. It's one thing when it's a graphic novel, but when it's like issues every week, solicits every month, covers every month, like it, it is a bit of a machine. And like I said, I like I like kind of helping. I like being one of the main operators on the machine, but like um, I can't go in and like do everything on it. Um, 
So it's nice having that kind of support like between Joe, Rory and Heather and everybody and everyone's really good at what they're doing. Um, but uh, uh, I, I have some stuff that I want to do uh, next year. But I, I think I want to put every, I want to put more into time before time, especially because it looks because we have a second arc. I kind of not written it off, but kind of we, we got to a stage where we were like, well, there's no point writing anymore because we've no idea if we're going to get. Mm. We'd, we'd actually written issue five. I think it had, hadn't. I think I think Joe had started drawing it, and we were like, well, that we can do now. And but then once we got word from Image, that was great. Um, so now it just made it made me want to invest more in in time before time. And uh, that might become more clear in the coming months. And uh, you guys have been have been really really generous with your time this evening. Very much very much appreciated. So so last thing, and we'll start with yourself, Rory. If each of you had to be smuggled back in time to live out an idyllic life in the past, what crime would you have committed to be in that position in the first place? And what time period would you select? I mean, definitely the murder of Declan Shelby would be the crime. <laughs> Did it though? <laughs> doing the um, where would I go back to? Incredibly boring, like just like the seventies and just buying up a load of gaffs in Ireland on the cheap and becoming. <laughs> but you know what, mate? Well, no, maybe not the seventies. Maybe the late eighties. Right, right before it starts to pick up. That's good thinking. Yeah, or like uh, you know, join some band called U two, you know, or like you know, do like do something something with investment, you know. Think, yeah, think ahead, yeah. you know. Someone actually did ask me before my 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 initial my first reaction was uh, I'd go back to when as a teenager, tell them to buck up, um, and just go to every pub for the next eighteen years till lockdown kicks in. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and what crime would you have committed in the future to get there, Declan? Uh, what? You'd have went to a pub I, during I, lockdown. I, <laughs> no, I'm very goody two shoes. It's not like me to break the law. I guess maybe it could be a COVID restriction thing. If it got if it got worse than what it's been, I could see me kind of just like going fuck this. But um, I am way too much of a goody two shoes. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, I'd probably punch and. Accidentally killing somebody I I, I, I hated. Like giving someone a smack because I hated them, but then accidentally killing them. And then like, oh no, this, this is not what I meant to do at all. And then having to run away. Manslaughter. Manslaughter. I liked your description. That's how that's what they should use in court. <laughs> yeah. Accidentally. I, I just gave him a smack. Like. You did a so good powerful. smack. I think it's a terrible answer. I'm sorry. Not at all, not at all. We'll ask you after we stop recording who that person would be. We would never get you to expose that, you know, on tape. <laughs> but anyway, so thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time and your company. It was a pleasure, as always, to chat to you both again. Just going to finish off by saying to everyone listening, do not forget that Time Before Time kicks off on the 12th of May. We'll, of course, be available plenty of coffee, plenty of copies at Coffee and Heroes, both in-store and online at www.coffeeandheroes.com. So get your copy pre-order today. Otherwise, Declan will have to go out and punch someone very hard and hopefully not kill them. <laughs> thanks very much gents uh, cheers lads cheers lads thanks for having us